Thank you for joining us on Easy's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. Coming up in the program, we'll be speaking with the Chief Medical Officer from Tenet Health in Broward and Miami-Dade counties with some specific guidance on keeping yourself protected from getting the COVID-19 coronavirus. To start, though, because of the virus, schools are closed at least through April 15th. Meals for children are a big concern. Joining us now on Easy's Community Focus, I'm so happy to welcome Zoe Crago, a registered dietitian with Broward County Public Schools. The Nutrition Services is working very hard to fill the gaps of providing meals to our students while they are out of school right now, at least through April 15th. Zoe, thank you for finding the time to talk to us today. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Let's start with that. This has to be a very stressful time. Well, You know, it's definitely been a challenge for our whole school community, but it's also an opportunity for all of us to come together to tackle those challenges and find new solutions. So we're very happy to be able to provide support to our school community during this time of crisis. Now, normally kids would be getting their meals from school on a daily basis, but with school out now for at least another six weeks, you've got special feeding programs set up. How are those working? process because we want to make sure that we're still providing those nutritious, healthy meals that our students would receive normally from us and that they, you know, they need. But we also want to make sure that we're doing that in a safe and healthy manner because there are those new concerns with coronavirus, that concern of exposure, of needing to maintain social distance. So the way that we've been going about it is we have opened now there will be 47 school distribution sites where we're going to offer meals for breakfast and lunch where students and their family members can drive up through either the bus or the car loop and we will have the meals in grab-and-go formats so that we can hand it to them through the window and they can drive right off. And then also those students that live in the area can walk up and we'll hand them their meals and they can walk off so it lessens that risk of contamination both for our staff and for our whole school community. And are you able to help them, the ones who are walking up, keep that six-foot distance from each other? Yeah. So thankfully, thus far, we have not had huge hordes of people, you know, come. So we've made sure to educate our staff to let them know, okay, please stand here, you know, as you come up, can wait there, and they will hand each meal individually, just to make sure that everyone is staying safe. Is it true that family members can receive meals in addition to students? That is true. And in addition to just students, it's any child, 18 years or younger, and their accompanying family members. We're giving meals to everyone because we know this is a challenging time. And maybe some of those children aren't Broward County Public School students, but they still need that same support. You know, this is a crisis period. So we want to be able to provide those nutritious meals to them as well. People have to be thinking, how are you getting the food? Because the rest of us go to the grocery stores and not just toilet paper is gone, but I've seen people stacking up their carts with piles and piles of meat and chicken as if they think they're going into a bomb shelter for, you know, a year. And I want to keep reminding people that the food supply chain will continue to go, but they've got to wonder, how are you getting the food? That's too true. You know, I've seen it all over our community as well. But thankfully, during our first 
week that we were open, we were able to utilize the food that we already had in our surrounding schools. So we initially started with 11 schools that were open to serve meals because we weren't sure how long this would go on for. And we transferred food from all of the surrounding schools to be able to provide meals from those sites and help to reduce that food waste. Because in addition to not having enough food, we also didn't want the opposite scenario to happen where we're throwing a bunch of good food away just because we don't have anyone to serve it to. So that was a good solution all around for us was transferring all of the food. Um, and then moving forward, we have fewer sites open, but thankfully our distributors are still able to get us the food we need. Although we are you know, going to be changing our menu a little bit to work a little better with the grab-and-go type of concept rather than, you know, generally we do hot meals. So now we are focusing on more foods that can be eaten easily, packaged, and might be cold, you know, which we normally don't do as many cold meals, but now that fits very well for what our community needs. Yeah, at this point, food is what's important, ideally nutritious, which I know is a big thing with the Broward County Public School Nutrition Services. You're very, very focused on providing healthy meals. How are you able to accommodate the safety requirements for being sure that everything is clear of coronavirus? Well, so when we think about safety, for us as food service professionals and me as a registered dietitian, the big topic for us is food safety and making sure that all the food that we are handing out is safe for everyone. So we have our staff following normal sanitary procedures that we all year round follow just to help food safety and prevent foodborne illness. Then in addition, we have been sending cards in each grab-and-go bag that let the family know that that meal contains perishable items and it needs to be consumed immediately or properly stored. Just to make sure that we don't have any situations where, you know, milk gets left in the car for six hours and then someone drinks it and they get sick, you know. So those are concerns on our mind, but we want to make sure that, you know, we can still provide those meals and families know, okay, this is something that I have to be aware that this needs to be stored to keep it safe. So we've been doing that. And additionally, you know, we're talking about nutritious meals. Well, I just want to assure you, so all the time, we always make sure that we're serving whole grain rich foods, you know, with a variety of fruits and vegetables and everything that we're serving. Well, it looks like foods that you might buy at your grocery store. So those popular cereals, you know, popular items, they're actually healthier versions that are created just for the schools. Oh. So I know. So those cereals you see, you'll see Lucky Charms, you see, you know, Frosted Flakes, all those sorts of things. They're actually made of 100% whole grain with less sugar and much less salt than you'd get from the regular grocery store. So it's foods that our students love and that are recognizable to them, but they're also healthier. I love that. I had no idea. (laughs) You're faking us out into eating healthier. You know, the goal of a dietitian. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That is also the goal of our district is we want to make sure that we're helping our students create those healthy lifestyles. And part of that is incorporating all of those nutritious foods into your your life. So again, the breakfast is served from 8 to 10 a.m., grab and go, lunch from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. I don't want to run through 47 names of schools. (laughs) (laughs) What's the website to go to to find the information and the list of schools and addresses? You can go to BrowardSchools.com backslash coronavirus. We are constantly updating through the district all of the open sites. And additionally, you can also go to the Food and Nutrition Services website, and we keep updated lists on there as well. Is there a phone number that people can call should they use the Broward 211 for general information, or is there a special number set up just for this? They can call 
call Broward 211, that would be a great number for them. Trying to find all of the positives in this that we can. And most important is that food is available. Meals provided Monday through Friday through April 15th, breakfast 8 to 10 a.m., lunch 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at 47 locations, elementary, middle, and high schools throughout Broward County. The website for details, BrowardSchools.com slash coronavirus. Zoe Crago, dietitian with Broward County Public Schools Nutrition Services. Thank you for being available during this very challenging period. We appreciate your assistance. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, we're so thankful that we have the opportunity to help contribute to not just the school community, but our general community to try to make this crisis time just a little bit easier on everyone. And you definitely are. Thanks. All right, thank you. As you know, EZ 93.1 partners with the Humane Society of Broward County to feature a new pet of the week each week. And you can visit our website at easy93.com slash pet to see Boots, our newest pet of the week, looking for a forever home. But it's also important to let you know that the Humane Society has also been affected by the coronavirus outbreak and the restrictions that have been put in place to limit the spread of the virus. To tell us how the Humane Society is working to ensure your safety, while still taking care of the shelter pets and continuing to place them in homes, it is always a pleasure to welcome from the Humane Society of Broward County, the Vice President of Marketing, Sherry Wachter. Thank you, as always, for taking time to talk to us. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Well, our circumstances are a little bit different from usual due to the current concerns about coronavirus, as well as restrictions imposed by the government, you've had to make some accommodations at the Humane Society. Fortunately, animal shelters and supply stores are considered essential services, so you're open but with limited services. What are the changes you've had to make? So yes, we've had to make a lot of changes here at the Humane Society of Broward County. I think primarily, first and foremost, people think of the Humane Society as an adoption center. So we still are open for adoptions, but they are all being done by appointment only. What we are asking folks to do is go to our website. It's humanebroward.com. Click on the COVID-19 banner, and there you can read updates about what's going on here at the shelter. In there, you will find an adoption application. So if you see a pet that you're interested in adopting, you fill out the application and submit it. And then one of our adoption counselors will give you a call back to set up an appointment so that you can come in and meet that pet. You're not under any obligation to take that pet if it's not a love match, but this way we can control the number of people that are coming into the building and it's not overwhelming. And each counselor is assigned one person and there's usually never more than two people in the building at a time as far as uh, wow. outsiders coming in. That is a huge yeah, so- change. Usually when I'm there for Pet of the Week pictures, it's packed. Yeah. So it's definitely um, people are coming in and they are adopting, which is a great thing. So we're really happy about that. And we want to make clear that animals do not carry, transmit, or get COVID-19. This is a human disease. Yes. Um, You know, I think it's important that people know that. I think holding on to your pet, I know some people are nervous, um, but, you know, pets can be the best medicine and the best therapy during this crazy time that we're in. So, um, you know, Keeping your pet, I think, is just as important. Absolutely. And I know you're telling people that they cannot bring in pets to surrender just because they feel like it. There are certain emergency situations within which you'll accept. Yes, exactly. We've closed. um, So our admissions department is open daily 
from 8 a.m. until noon. So that is for people that need to surrender their pets, but we're only taking emergency owner surrenders at this time. Um, They're also open for end-of-life services for your pet. So out of an abundance of caution, we are asking that the public to please hold off on surrendering their pets at this time. And again, admissions is open from 8 a.m. till noon for those essential services only. And when you say Um, emergency surrender, you're talking about a situation where someone has to go into assisted living or, God forbid, someone is in the hospital for COVID-19, that sort of thing. Okay. Right, where their owner has passed away you know, something that's really an emergency. And as far as our vaccine clinic, typically it's a bustling place, lots of people coming in, but we've also put in precautionary measures and we are open for limited hours. So the vaccine clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. and it's walk-ins only. Uh, They also will only take credit cards, no cash, please. And basically what happens is when you come up, you'll stay on the outside of the gate. They'll hand you a clipboard, go back to your car and fill that out. And then once that's completed and they're ready for you, one of the vet techs will come out and get your dog or cat, take it inside while you wait outside. That limits the number of people that are in the vaccine clinic. And then once it's done, they'll bring it back to you. So they're very quick. And that way, you know, we're trying to keep everybody at a respectful distance apart. And unfortunately, the spay and neuter services that you generally offer are not open and available right now. Right, exactly. So, um, of course, any of the pets that are adopted will be spayed or neutered before they leave. But previously, we did provide spay and neuter services for the public's pets. And at this time, we have suspended those services. And of course, as you say, all the animals that are there always are spayed, neutered before they're adopted, along with getting all of their vaccines and a care package with food and everything to go with it. Exactly. And you do need fosters still. So we actually, we're pretty set on fosters right now, I will say. We've had an abundance of interest in people fostering our pets, um, and we've had several dozen go out to foster homes already. Uh, The few that remain are probably dogs that need to be the only fur child in the home Mm. or some cats. But um, right now, I think we're pretty set on fosters. If someone is interested in fostering, I would strongly encourage them to check with the other shelters, Broward County Animal Care, Miami-Dade Animal Services, or the Humane Society of Greater Miami. I know all of them have also made changes to their programs and services, but I believe they all do offer fostering. Okay. One of the things that probably most of us wouldn't think of, but of course you handling all these animals would, is you are in dire need of newspapers. So yes, um, because we still have cats and small animals such as rabbits and guinea pigs here, we do use a lot of newspapers. And I was told a few hours ago that we could definitely use some newspapers. So if you want to drop off some newspapers, it would be greatly appreciated. You cannot come in the building. The building is locked and only people that have appointments can come in. So you can just drop them outside of our admissions door. They will, staff will come out and get it so you don't have to interact with anybody. Okay. And Um, we would recommend they do it during regular business hours because, you know, with the rain that can come in at any time. Yeah, then it might might get mushy. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. All right. It might defeat its purpose then. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And then one other thing, so many fundraisers have had to be canceled or postponed. Donations are critical right now. Donations are so critical right now. Um, You know, the Humane Society, we are a private nonprofit organization. So we rely on donations and we rely on the fundraising events that we host throughout the year. Um, Because of the coronavirus, we have had to either cancel or postpone some of our major fundraisers. 
Um, and we've, in addition to all of our educational programs that generate funds for us, such as our birthday parties, spring camp, snuggle deliveries, our uh, positive service days, all those types of things, and the fundraisers that the, the, the kids do for us, um, they've all had to be um, canceled or postponed. So that's a huge loss in revenue for the shelter. Um, and, you know, that is why we really need um, people's support right now. And if you want to help, you can go on our website. It's humanebrower.com and I'll make a donation there. And any amount is greatly appreciated. Okay. Remember, every dollar adds up. And of course, for all of the details and everything we've discussed, it's all there under the COVID-19 banner at humanebrower.com. Sherry, I wish I could be there with you. I'd like to be one of the two people in the building. <laughs> um, you know, in an odd way, you're blessed to at least be able to work with the animals and still see them on a daily basis. And thank you for yeah. uh, maintaining throughout this most unusual period of time. And uh, well, if anything else comes up that you need us to relate to our audience, just please let us know. Okay, thank you so much. All right, Sherry Wachter, Vice President of Marketing for the Humane Society of Broward County. And I'll just add, as a pet mom, it is so much easier to get through self-quarantine, sheltering at home, social distancing, when you have a pet by your side giving you unconditional love. And if that sounds appealing to you, remember, go online to humanebroward.com where you can fill out the application to make an appointment and go and meet the pet of your choice. And for our final segment this morning, we turn to a medical expert to answer some of the most common questions we have about spreading coronavirus and preventing the spread of coronavirus. Joining us on EZ's Community Focus, it's a pleasure to welcome Dr. Octavio Diaz, the Chief Medical Officer for Tenet Hospitals in Broward and Miami-Dade, and that includes Florida Medical Center. Dr. Diaz, I know how busy you must be right now, so thank you for finding time to talk to us today. Well, thank you, Ellen. This is a very important time for all of us, and I'm very happy to address some of the questions of your listeners. Yeah, I know we have a lot of people who are still kind of in denial about what's going on, and we put out the information, and I really hope that you can clarify for people why certain things that we're being asked to do are so important. Starting with, you know, we're being told over and over again that to protect ourselves from getting COVID-19, as well as to prevent spreading the virus, the most important things are social distancing, washing your hands, sanitizing surfaces, and not touching our face. Can you explain how the virus spreads and why those are the most important things to do? Uh, certainly. So although it may seem quite trivial that touching your face is not as important as we may think, it really could be a very serious issue. And frankly, paying attention to how this virus spread could certainly be part of the process of keeping us healthy and even uh, saving our lives. This virus, the COVID-19 or coronavirus, spreads most likely, we believe, by droplets. And that is when someone coughs or sneezes, droplets are produced and those droplets are uh, floating in the air in, for about a three to five to six foot distance. Uh, so social distancing of six feet or so is critically important. Likewise, these droplets can fall on a countertop. Uh, they can certainly fall on a desktop, on a doorknob, on a handrail, etc. And when we touch these surfaces with our hands and subsequently touch our face, we can then introduce that virus into the vicinity of our nose, our mouth, or our eyes. And with that, 
it gives the virus a pathway to gain access to the bloodstream and to make the person sick. Now, how long does the virus remain on a surface like a doorknob or a banister that we need to continue sanitizing? So the, the answer is somewhat unknown, but some studies have shown that the virus can live for several hours to several days on surfaces. And of course, it depends on the surface uh, where it lands. Some of these studies are laboratory studies, not real-life studies. So the jury's still out on that question. But suffice it to say, for the purposes of your audience, it is very possible for the virus to be living on surfaces for several hours to days. Okay. The last thing I saw was cardboard in particular could stay for 24 hours. So I've started washing down my packages that I get. So many of us are doing mail order at the moment, so we don't have to go out. So now the cardboard box that it comes in, I'm sanitizing. And then everything I take out of the box, I sanitize just to be sure. Am I overreacting? No, not at all. And I think that's a great idea. So certainly sanitizing is very important at all surfaces. Uh, Another option that you can do when you receive a package is to open that package outside of your home and bring the contents in and promptly wash your hands uh, after you dispose of the package outside of your home. Now, when you talk about washing hands, we hear 20 seconds at a time. Why is that so critical? Well, you know, we've been washing our hands since we were kids, right? And uh, frankly, not not too many of us do it right. There has been, uh, in healthcare, study after study after study, washing uh, hands or watching people washing their hands. And it's amazing how many people just do a cursory hand wash and grab the towel and they're on their way. In reality, to appropriately disinfect your hands, especially in this very important time, We need to pay attention to making sure that we include everything from the wrists down and the top of the hand, the back of the hand, each finger individually. It takes a good 20 to 30 seconds to do proper hand hygiene. And the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control website, cdc.gov, has some instructions on hand washing as well. And that's one source that your listeners can certainly go to uh, to gain a bit more information on the appropriate hand washing techniques. And does it make a difference if the water is cold or hot? Not necessarily, although uh, warmer water is certainly far more comfortable to wash your hands, and it does um, help the time that you spend washing your hands. So, But no, hand washing with soap and water, uh, regardless of the temperature, is important. Okay, now let's say we've just done that really efficient hand washing. Is it still dangerous to touch your face immediately afterward? Well, you know, uh, Ellen, we all touch our faces. Uh, It's uh, what we do as human beings, and we do it repeatedly throughout the day. In fact, um, some studies have shown that people touch their faces uh, somewhere between 20 and 40 times an hour, (laughs) uh, which when you think about it, like a tremendous amount of time, But uh, there was one recent study that was done with medical students uh, in a lecture hall uh, where they were being videotaped, and they were touching their face on average 25 to 30 times. And unfortunately, 50% of the time that we touch our face, we're touching our eyes, our nose, or our mouth. Those are mucous membranes, and they allow the virus a far easier entrance into the body than touching intact skin. So it is critically important to pay attention to touching your face during this pandemic. And to answer your question, once you wash your hands thoroughly, if you have that itch that needs to be scratched, well, go ahead and do it. 
But make sure that you haven't touched any other surface after you've washed your hands. Okay, and it's funny, as I had questions for you, I'm sort of thinking of answers in the moment. Uh, I know I do it. I get an itch. I scratch. I wore contact lenses from fifth grade on, and I'm so used to just, you know, going into the corners of my eye. But I'm thinking, what if I grab a tissue and use a tissue as a protective device to, you know, go after whatever's bothering me? That, that's an option, but I would caution uh, that first and foremost, we need to pay attention that contaminated hands can transmit viruses even if we have a tissue barrier because it may not necessarily stop completely uh, any other touching of your face. The best advice is wash your hands thoroughly for 20 seconds with soap and water and then go ahead and take care of that itch. Wow, this is, it's really hard to train yourself. All I can think about is that we need the pet cones <laughs> that we give our animals after they've had a surgery or a procedure. Um, I guess it's just going to take a tremendous amount of consciousness, being self-aware, and discipline as well. Well, you know, a pet cone would work, but I think it would be somewhat embarrassing. <laughs> so I would try away from that. Uh, I think... Uh, I'm an emergency physician, and I practiced emergency medicine for a number of years. And in the emergency department, one thing that worked very well for me was always thinking that my hands were contaminated, and they were contaminated with something messy. Now, you can use your imagination to think about whatever that messy would be, but if you constantly think that your hands are dirty, it will really propel you to avoid touching your face and to wash your hands deliberately, frequently throughout the day. Okay. And this, you know, maybe this is silly, but, you know, people who live together, couples in particular, it's a very natural thing. To, you walk by each other, you touch each other. If you're in a romantic relationship, touching faces is such a normal part of creating your connection. How do you tell people to refrain from that kind of physical contact? Well, you know, we're all human and we all have our needs. And I certainly would expect that uh, our needs will continue to be met. My advice is make sure you wash your hands before you touch your loved one's face and make sure that your loved one is doing the same. Showering together, now is the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is there anything else that you want us to let our listeners know that will really help us keep people safe? Uh, Thank you, Ellen, for the opportunity uh, to, to be able to give a couple of additional points. I think it's very important for everyone to understand that this is a very critical time for all of us as we move through this pandemic and come out on the other side better than we were before. So this is the time to stay healthy, to exercise regularly, to eat right, including a significant portion of fruits and vegetables. If you smoke, there's no better time to quit. And certainly rest and sleep and de-stressing exercises, yoga, meditation, or whatever else you use to de-stress, this is the time to start. Keep ourselves healthy, keep our hands clean, and let's see how we can come out on the other side better than we were before. Fantastic. We do have a guest scheduled for next week who's going to talk to us about meditation and deep breathing and the benefits of that. Someone from uh, NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness. So we're definitely going to get into the psychological aspect of this. But right now, we just want to stop the spread. And, you know, we see the numbers going up every day and it's really frightening. So thank you so much for providing really reliable information. Is it best to send people to the Florida Department of Health website, the CDC, 
Tenant Health, where would you recommend people go if they have questions or call? Well, it's always important to have one source of truth in situations such as this, and the entire country relies on the CDC, and the CDC's website is extremely comprehensive, inclusive of a lot of information for uh, the lay public, as well as healthcare workers and other industries. Uh, The Department of Public Health in Florida also has a very extensive website. My advice is to go to either of those websites and to gain as much insight and learn about this uh, virus. The better you learn, the better you are prepared, the better you can fight this disease. Okay, so it's floridahealth.gov, cdc.gov, and if anyone's interested or wants to know more about Tenet Health or Florida Medical Center, tenethealth.com or floridamedctr.com. Many places for information, and you have been a brilliant resource. Thank you so much, Dr. Octavio Diaz, Chief Medical Officer for Tenet Hospitals in Broward and Miami-Dade, including Florida Medical Center. I wish you an easy time of this. Well, thank you very much for having me, Ellen. It's a pleasure. Take care. And thank you for listening to Easy's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. If you have questions about today's program or would like to suggest a topic, or if you have a specific question about coronavirus that we can find someone to answer for you, please email me at ellen at easy93.com. Join us again next Sunday at 6.50 as we look at how our doctors and nurses are holding up offer some coping tips for all of us adjusting to the new normal of sheltering at home and social distancing, and hear about programs that are available to support those impacted financially by this crisis. Please remember, wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds at a time, sanitize frequently touched surfaces, and stay six feet away from others. Together, we can make a difference. Thank you for listening and have a great day.